everybody to the latest edition of the Legends of Sports. This is your host, Rob Silver. I'm joined today by a long-time Philadelphia Sixer fan. He's been a Sixer fan since the late 80s. Um, my brother, Mike. Mike, how you doing? And I want you to tell the fans out there, the listeners, when you started watching the Philadelphia 76ers and when you first heard of Allen Iverson, because this episode is dedicated to the legacy of Bubba Chuck himself, Mr. Allen Iverson. Go ahead, big man. Well, what's going on? I'm glad, first of all, I'm glad to be here. Um, and I appreciate this. My very first introduction to the Sixers, I grew up in Delaware, hop, skipping a jump away from Philadelphia. But my grandfather was a uh, was a charter bus driver. So he would take church groups and different things to Sixers games. So my very first memories, I was about three years old. And it was uh, three, maybe four. It was the year. My very first memory of the Sixers was when Barkley was a rookie. And right before they sent Moses to Washington. He was still so that Moses. Was, that, would, that would have been the 84-85 season. That would have been that would have been 80. Actually, and, but my memory, my very first memory, I do remember one of my first games I went to, I I believe it was the year before Barkley got there. Like, it was the year they were defending their title. And they got so bumped in the first round. And, and they got bumped in the first round of the playoffs, I believe, by the New Jersey Nets, if I'm not mistaken. I, my I do most of these shows... Ladies and gentlemen, if you've listened to the first three episodes, most of this stuff, me and the co-host do off the top of our head. And if I'm not mistaken, they were eliminated in the first round by the L.A. Lakers. And I was, I mean, LA, New Jersey Nets. And I was upset, Mike, because even though the Boston Celtics had a tremendous uh, regular season with the number one seed, I thought the Sixers had the team to possibly upset the Celtics and I knew they could beat the Lakers because Moses had Kareem's that, number. That's and when, want, that's when want, Moses and that was first. Very, that was I was disappointed. That was one of the worst losses to a a, a Nets team that was up and coming but would soon would would soon detonate and with with the with the with the relapse of Michael Ray Michael Richardson. Ray Richardson. Um, drug drug abuse because he was the key to that whole team. People don't people don't realize Michael yeah, Richardson was, a, was an was incredible shooting guard, shooting guard, and he was one of the greatest defenders I've ever seen at the point guard position. One of the biggest waste of talent in the history of the NBA. I always said, uh, Mike, that the two biggest wastes were Roy Topley and Michael Ray Richardson. Those God, two no. guys had legendary <laughs> ability, but they had Roy, no willpower. Roy, Tar Roy Tarpley had a Roy Tarpley should have been a, a, a multi-time all. Put it like this: If Roy Tarpley could have stayed clean, the Lakers' biggest problem would have been the, in the West as, in the late '80s. Would have been Dallas. Mid to late '80s should have it would have been Dallas. Look at that starting lineup: point guard Derek Harper, mm -hmm. two guard Roe Blackman, mm -hmm. small forward Mark Aguirre. Power forward yeah. Tarpley and the center Sam Perkins. And they gave when those five were healthy and as a union and Tarpley wasn't getting high, they gave LA hell. Because Derek Harper was a tremendous defender. He would he mm -hmm. probably was the best guard 
in the NBA that guarded Magic Johnson. Yeah. He, he was on top of Jordan. Roe Blackman was an incredible two-way player. People talk about his shooting. He was a tremendous yeah. defender as well. Sam Perkins, smooth Sam Perkins, man, tremendous rebounder and defender and could score low and later on developed a tremendous jump shot, but he was a great low post player. Topley cleaned the boards. He yeah. got all the rebounds, right? He he was he was great, and I told someone else. And Mark Aguirre, Mark Aguirre, Mark Aguirre, yep. And there was a dude by the that also that came off the bench. There was this center by the name of James Donaldson. Yes, I love brick. Donaldson. Yes, Donaldson was a brick. Donaldson was one of those guys who literally, if somebody went down, he could play in those long stretches where he just, where he just, he where he protected the rim, covered the glass. He got you. He got that little bunny that where he get the ball in. So, like think I said, of, yeah, those Dallas teams were good. Think of a combination of Rick Mahoney and John Sally. Combination yeah. of Mahoney and Sally, that was James Donaldson. Yeah. So, I always, I always thought that those Dallas teams, when I was a kid, I was like, yeah. It, 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 like I said, and I, I, I feel bad. Like you said, that just, it, it's sad because you mess with that. You, you, you get it. You, you can't break those habits. And I mean, I look at it a lot like in football. I look at it a lot like with a guy like a Josh Gordon or Justin Blackman. Those two guys come to mind in the recent years. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you, 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 I know guys that quit drinking and smoking so they could get jobs driving airport shuttles for thirteen dollars an hour. So imagine so we, 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 we talk a thirteen million a year, yeah. and, you just, um, and you just can't give up that habit. Oh. oh yeah. and, Len Bias, the first time he uses cocaine, he dies. Yep. Um, and it's and it's ironic because Keith Gatling is coaches down here. Keith Gatling coaches in the, in this area. And um one of my friend's sons actually played for him at Wesleyan. And he and he said that's one of the things he his son ended up playing for Maryland. He's with the Oklahoma City Blue now. Right. But uh he was just telling me the same thing. He said Keith Gatlin would always Always let his guys know. You understand something. I knew he, he literally yep. told them. Ben mm-hmm. Bias is not just a ghost because this we're talking thirty five, almost thirty six years later. So a lot of people look at things back then as though right. oh they, it was so it was it was in a far gone time and most of those people are old and dead and you don't realize your head coach was right there with him. Exactly, exactly. There's a lot of people like us, a lot of people mm-hmm. alive that were. Then at the at the at that point was was around, and I was a senior. Matter of fact, it was the day after my prom, when the news the newspaper reports of his death, and I was like, "What?" Because he was going to be that next thing. And then you talk about what ifs. They I had Reggie. Proud. They they drafted Reggie Lewis the next year. So imagine a yeah. team with Reggie Lewis and Len Bias taking Man. the Celtics to another uh, to another generation of championships. That would have been. That could have been the Bulls' that, main that, that could have been rivalry. And, and like they said, and what Larry, you save Larry Bird's back. He, he Larry plays Bird's two or three more years. Yeah, he probably plays two or three more years. Yeah, because Larry, Larry wanted to break in his back in the early part of 88-89 season. That probably doesn't happen if you got Len Bias. And yeah. they might beat the Lakers in 87. <laughs> it's a different game. Yeah, like yeah. I said, that was like, like I said, that was like ripping out your. It was when when they added Lynn Bias, because Bill Walton, his ass was gone. <laughs> but when they added Lynn Bias, Boston basically was like, basically we took out our V eight and we put in a V twelve. 
Yeah, because they would have because they would have cut Bill Walton. Mm-hmm. That because Walton's oh. minutes would have went to bias to bias, and uh, they would have saved Mikhail more. Mikhail would have been fresh. Mikhail would have played a few more years. Yeah. Uh, and this is a perfect segue, ladies and gentlemen, to we talk about what ifs. Yeah. What if Allen Iverson doesn't get clemency by Governor Wilder and spends the uh, majority amount of the 15 years he was unjustly convicted for? Yeah. And, and um, um, Mike, mm-hmm. when you heard about the bowling alley incident and then the conviction of, first of all, nobody, nobody got seriously hurt. Uh-huh. Uh, there was there was no evidence as to who really started the brawl between two the two warring racial factions, the white group against the black group, and only three were charged from the black group. Yep. All right. What was your first reaction when you heard it, and then the conviction, and then what you have been hearing about Allen Iverson because he had just been named the 1992 Virginia football player of the year and, and basketball player of the year. And he had led Bethel high school to championships, state championships in both football and basketball. Now in the history of high school sports, Allen Iverson is on that level of a Kirk Gibson Gibson in high school was the best baseball player in Michigan and the best football player in Michigan. That doesn't happen often where one guy is the best player on both on two or more sports on the same high school in the same state. Yeah. Uh, now we're talking only the, the people that I can, that I know we're talking of that have been in that level of Julius Peppers. Mm-hmm. Basketball. Joe Bauer, the baseball, the, the baseball player. He was a three sport beast. I saw him at a tournament when I was. We, Who's we, that again? Joe Mauer, the baseball. Yes, player. Joe Mauer. Yes, the great, the the former great Minnesota Twin. Yes. Yep. Him. Uh. But like I said, second. And Kirk Gibson. Kirk Gibson was. Kirk Gibson football and baseball. Yep. And like I said, and you have guys, and I mean, then you have a. But like I said, or but that's that's the most amazing thing about about it. But when I was uh, I was person. I can tell you how how I came across Allen Iverson, and this is how. I I've only met him in person once. Okay. But but here's but here's the six degrees of separation. My aunt Lisa was a college student at Hampton University. Shout out to the Pirates between ninety one and I'm uh, ninety one and ninety five. Alan Iverson, his his wife graduated with her husband George. So my uh my so my aunt's husband, my uncle George. Him and Allen Iverson have no. He's no. He he's one of the people that calls him, but he still calls him Bubba Chuck. Bubba Chuck. George right. knows him. George is George is knows him. George has been around him. George, I wouldn't say friends, but they are strong acquaintances. And like I said, George graduated with his uh the wife and the mother of his children. Uh, but long, but I when I would go down there, I would hear these stories. Oh my God, you should hear about Bubba Chuck. And mm-hmm. and they would I would go see when I first met them. I would hear these stories about a bubble chuck, bubble chuck, bubble chuck. I would go down to see my aunt. And one night I went down and she was, she's, she's only nine years older than me. So she's big sister. So I got to hang out with her. I felt, you know, a little bit independent being around her, so to speak. Before you continue, let me ask you a quick question. Mm -hmm. You met, you met, you met Bubba Chuck AI one time. 
How tall are you, Mike? I am about six foot one. Okay. And how is, how much did you uh how much taller were you than Allen Iverson? I honestly I was me and Allen Iverson, he's a shade shorter than me. All right, like, so he's a legit like, six feet. He's about no, he's he's closer to the five. He's a he's a he's an inter. He's a guy that's five eleven that can that can get away with saying I'm six foot. Okay, so they they build him at six one his entire college and NBA career, yep. but that that's false. But that's not true. <laughs> okay, that's not right. true. He's a little he's a little bit smaller. Like I said, he's cool, you know as a he's 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 and, and he's he's of a slight build. But right. when I met him, he was probably about one hundred and forty five. I was always a tall kid, so I was probably about five eight, five nine. So he was okay. only a little bit taller than me. Okay. At that okay. time. But, but he and he was older and he was older than you. Yep, he's older than about, about six years. Like I said, yeah. he was a couple years younger than my he was a couple Your years aunt. younger than my uncle yeah. and my aunt. But he was like I said, when when you saw him, he just had this presence when I but the one time I met him, it was after a uh, football game and somebody had said Yo, what you about to do next? He was like, man, I gotta go grab him. He said, somebody goes. He said after the we, whatever, we gonna we gonna play we gonna play basketball. I was like, wait a minute, he he played basketball too. They're like, yeah, he's the best at that. And it was like <laughs> watching him, and watching him on the watching him on the field when I saw him on the football field because this is after a game they beat Kickatan High School. That's where his wife went. That's where my uncle went. They had beat Kickatan High School, and I remember. I don't know if he, I don't know if, if it was a punt or kickoff return. I just remember the ball hit the ground and it was on a Deshaun Jackson move. The ball hit the ground, spun, the foot, the field was wet. And so it looked like, you know how you say a greased pig? So the ball was right. bouncing all over the place. He just literally picked it up with one hand and just took off. And it was like, once he took maybe that fourth or fifth step, you knew he was in the end zone. And this was a muff, like this was a muff punt. Or kickoff that had been that that must have spun around maybe ten or fifteen yards across the field like nobody could pick it up or fall on it. It was like a blooper reel type thing. And when he picked wow. the ball up, I was like, he's not going to do it. He did it. And like I said, um, now what year was this? How how how? This uh, was probably ninety two. He was. This is probably this is the year that he. This was his last year actually playing at Bethel. Before okay, because because uh. Do you remember the month? Like, uh, I know it's the fall because it's football season. It's it was probably like I said. I I'd have to I'd have to go back and look, man. This might have been uh October, this November. Late, this was a late October game, I believe. Because if he had to go to back, basketball practice, that's when yeah, the, no, he, the no, because they, 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 they were still running open gyms. Okay, right. that's what it was. So they were yeah, they were still. He like yeah, I gotta go pick up a ball, whatever. I was like yeah, I'm like they still they I didn't but like I said as I got older and I started playing sports, you know. They still have open gyms. They love, hey, we Bubba Chuck, we love you on this football game, but we still need you to. And then there was also the Boo Williams program, who he was, God bless him, he was a big part of. So Allen Iverson had a lot on him even in high school. I know people telling me things that he, you know, when he was when he he was such a, a highly touted athlete, watching him play was like the biggest ticket, was the biggest ticket in the world. And sometimes, you know, people would just literally come up. And literally Bogard hey, uh, phone through the, the the barriers and the security to get in the gym to watch him play. You uh you, you uh you see Michael Vick. Vick has always know. said Vick always said that yep. that was his idol. That was his and idol. he patterned his game after <laughs> Island Iverson. <laughs> and and I and I watched that 
special where they said it's ironic. He said our mothers knew each other. Yeah, because they were from the same section of, of Virginia. Newport Baton and and Michael Vick's cousin of uh, Aaron Aaron Brooks and uh, Michael Vick's cousin Aaron Brooks and Allen Iverson were high school rivals and close friends as well. And Aaron Brooks, former starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Um, yep. Uh, so there, 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 there you go. Uh, it when when it was the Vic thirty for thirty, the two part yep, thirty for thirty. 30, for 30. That where was uh, where he mentioned that his mother knew AI's mother. That was that's just you know six that's degrees of separation. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's mind blowing, but like they said, when you look at Vic's mom, when you look at him, he was like, when obviously said our our mothers went through a lot of the same things. He said, of course they knew each other. He said, because the first, I, I said the very first time he, people started telling him about Michael Vick, and they was like, yo, he from such and such and such. Right, he right. quarterback from what Virginia, at Virginia Tech. And Alan Iverson said, was scratching his head, I think I know him. And uh, he said, and the story goes, Iverson, when he saw him, the soul was like, that's Aaron's cousin. He was there like, you go. And, and, and Iverson looked at him, and yep, he from around the, and he said he saw him play. Iverson said, yeah, yeah, he from around the way. He said, obviously, said the first time I saw him play football, I knew he was from around the way. <laughs> but the next thing, but uh, but going into the, the bowling alley incident, and like I said, mind you, like I said, I'm visiting my aunt. My aunt and her boyfriend, who later became her husband, they all went there. They hung out there. The problem was, it was, um, like I said, and, and this is where a lot of those, a lot of those old feelings from certain parts of Virginia, and especially mm-hmm. the Hampton Roads area, come come back, and it was just basically a situation where we had two, where we had two factions. One one faction, you know, the faction that I that I grew around the people that I grew up with, and that I live, we at we have a certain way. But you know, and I mean, I've had incidents like this, and it's ironic that Iverson went through it, Randy Moss went through it, and Kevin yep. Garnett went through this. All went through these similar issues and it was a situation where my aunt said a lot of the white and caucasians that live in the area proposing up near buck road beach certain areas on the outskirts of hampton they would cut like you know they they had a certain air of uh i don't know i won't say privilege or there was a certain air of arrogance where they would you know where they would there they were at the bowling alley and movie theater stuff comments would be made Threats would be ensued, and the thing about it is, those young men from Newport News and Hampton, they ain't having it. They're they not ain't having it. No. Whatever, they're not backing down. It's not. It's a situation where you 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 don't have the the power to do that. And one of the biggest problems was the young man who Alan Iverson, the main young man who was who was mixing it up. He was somebody who had prior who had priors. He okay. was somebody who had a record of doing things like this. So for only the black kids from that area to get to get charged, that was kind of sick. Now I will be, and I, and I mean I'll be the first to admit, and this is like I said, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, I can't say but so much. But of course, I don't think Allen Iverson was just walking away from the fight because if these are my friends, if this is who I came with, if they're rumbling. I'm gonna I'm gonna go over there and and rumble too because the I court, can't get the, the car. But the court, tes- court testimony didn't the um witnesses all there that were on the the mm-hmm. the defensive side claim that he had left uh soon as yeah, the fight they, started. They say 
he 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 got a little mix up, but they were pulling him out. They were all trying to get him up out of there because they, it was because they were protect they were protecting his career. Yeah, we can't protect. We knew who you are, so they was like, "Yo, Chuck, nah, come on." And they was they were trying to get him out of there because they said we don't want you know that it that that part is I, I that part from what I understand to be true. Okay. A lot of you know because he want. I, of course, you know, like I say, he wants to get up in there. He want you know, but it was more so they were people were trying to get him up out of there because they were worried about their safety when them chairs started flying. But they tried to say he threw the chair, but he didn't throw. He didn't throw the chair. One of the one of the co, one of his co-defendants even said, "I was hit with a chair that I know wasn't. It may not have been intended for me, but I know Chuck didn't throw it. He was trying to go out the door." And the thing about it was, it took video evidence and mercy from Governor Wilder to get him out. Because the thing about it, the sad part about it was, the other young men, they stayed in for a little bit longer, but they got yeah. out. Yeah. But the and, sad part and, about it was they kudos, tried to railroad him. Kudos to AI. Uh -huh. He continued to take care of those cats well yes, into he, his career. Yes, they did. They did. He didn't leave them behind. That's the yeah. one thing about it. Because yeah, it, what, what they always said that one of his biggest strengths was one of his biggest faults is his loyalty. And and, got, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and this is and, this, and like I said, this is this is we're gonna segue like you know mm -hmm. when I we're gonna get him like I said and I you know I had heard about it but you know the mind of an eleven year old boy you you know you're not thinking about what you're not thinking about anything else and then all of a sudden I'm watching ESPN about a year or so later and i said wait a minute that's that guy that from him mm -hmm. and i saw and they, they they did this special where he was in jail and i mean let's call it what it was and i was like 15 years for a fight and i i mean i was young but i didn't understand it and um i just i and then like i said we my, and then like i said my and i talked to my aunt about it she was still at still in college she was you know and the thing about it was a couple of years and um, then I didn't, you know, we don't have a 24 hour media cycle. If it was, if this was 2021 and something like that happened, I obviously might've been out within a week. Right, 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 right. But back we didn't then, have a 24 hour news then, cycle. It was grassroots to get you had the You had the ESPN special and then was it Tom Brokaw? Somebody went to yeah. the prison. Yeah. Tom Brokaw went to the prison and interviewed him and God bless Ann Iverson. She, uh -huh. because like you said, it's a different time. We're talking 25 years ago, right? Not yeah. 27, we're 28 talking, yeah, years we're ago. Talking, yep, south yep. of 30, more than 25. Right, right. And so you don't have the 24-hour news cycle, a sports cycle. You don't have a social media. So you really, really have to push. And she pushed, she pushed. She went to Governor Wilder. She wasn't talking to no assistants, no advisors. No, no. I'm talking to Governor Wilder. Governor Wilder, the black governor of, of Virginia, who was about to, he was in his the last year of his term. Mm -hmm. So he was, quote, unquote, a lame duck. Lame duck. He went and he, uh, he uh, gave a pardon to AI. AI served four months in, in the prison that, that interview with Tom Brokaw was 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 uh was heartbreaking because yeah. he explained what what went down and I mean and Brokaw's like they put you they come they gave you fifteen years for this maybe and, by uh, and it was actually an old Virginia statue called maiming by a mob 
Yes. Yeah, which was supposed to, which was put in place for lynchings, for white yeah, people that lynch black, black people. To protect, to protect, like this, like the one guy, the one man said, um, what the one of the guys and other part of other part of caveat, I as a student at North Carolina A&T, a lot of my friends are from the Virginia are, are from that area. I right. a lot of my fr- I have a lot of friends that are from the Tidewater area, and they literally said the same thing. They was they they said that both well the bowling alley I believe later shut down, but my aunt and everyone was saying that that bowling alley, you know it was it was heartbreaking because you had a you saw he was. It's and it's ironic we got this Kyle Rittenhouse case going on, but we saw somebody treat really a 17 year old, a kid. I obviously was a kid. I mean, you you really you don't you don't think that a a, a fight like a something like that will get you 15 years in jail? And he had over a hundred scholarship offers. All were rescinded. They were all rescinded. This was one of the two or three biggest sports pro- uh, prospects in high school in the United States at the time. And and Iverson, after getting Douglas Wilder to pardon her son, then went to John Thompson and pleaded to John Thompson to give her son a scholarship and to uh, please take him in. And John Thompson, I don't believe John Thompson would have recruited or brought AI to Georgetown had it not been for him speaking to his mother and seeing just how serious the situation was and how AI needed a coach like John Thompson. Because to be honest yeah. with you, Mike, if he would have went to another program, oh, imagine him with Bobby Knight or some other oh, school hell, that would have no. oh, oh, no. worked. It and would like not said, have worked. And, and, not, not even Dean Smith. It would not have worked, especially Dean Smith, where everybody has to touch the ball. And yeah. <laughs> No, yeah. and I mean I'm a Carolina yeah. basketball fan, but that was one of the things they said about Dean Smith is that he forced Jordan, <laughs> he kept Jordan under twenty. Yeah, well, he was uh, the only guy to ever keep Jordan under twenty points a game. Yeah, but but the thing about <laughs> it is when when Jordan got to the NBA and that floor opened up, we saw something else. Yeah, I mean he but, was uh, still yeah. he was still great his junior year, but oh, yeah, still, he was still very great. He had he still was held back because Dean believed in everybody touching the ball. <laughs> yeah. So he goes to Georgetown, mm-hmm. and right away you see his freshman year. I, I had never seen Mike. I had never seen anybody that fast on a, on a basketball court. I mean, I could not believe it. I attended the Big East final game, his final college game, Ray Allen's final. Well, Man, it wasn't I, their final college game. It was their final, their Big, final East, Big East game. It, it, March of nineteen ninety six. I remember it. An it incredible was... game. And I I mean, took my father to this game, and this was the last college basketball game we ever saw because he would pass away four years later. We only saw two or three. We we saw the we saw the St. John's Georgetown final four uh Big East championship game back in eighty five. I'll talk more about that. You and Barry uh Mullen, right? Yeah, when I do the Ewing podcast later tonight, which will be out a week from now. You guys, I'll be talking about that game, but that that night with the the crowd was buzzing. You you Ray Allen and Allen Iverson were the talk of the of the NCAA. They would talk about these two might be the first two picks in the draft. It it, it was an incredible it was an incredible 
incredible atmosphere, but the game wasn't that great. It was a no, it, it didn't get great because I and I mean I just need to cut you off. Both I both do guys were making Ray it. Allen. Ray yeah. Allen struggled. Both of them Ray struggled. Allen, AI struggled AI too. AI struggled, but yeah. you, you know, but you know who was on fire. And this man is in jail, and he had Victor a Page. Like Victor Page. Victor Page. Victor Page kept, and Ricky kept, Moore. It was a Victor Page and Ricky yeah. Moore show down the stretch because Ricky yeah. Moore, Ricky Moore was it was Ricky Moore and Victor Page that were that literally dominated that game. It was too fresh. My, my father loved AI from that night on, but he oh, was like, it. "That's Victor Page, cat. He he could be something." I was. We all thought that, but. Yeah. You know those deep, like we like we all talk about those deep. He he did. He's up there in guys who I'm like, you wasted a gift. He, uh, my father said he was the Lloyd Daniels of that era, with all this incredible talent, but he could not let his demons go. Lloyd Daniels was such a great basketball player that five years after he got out of jail and. Cleaned up his crack addiction. Made the NBA. Made the yeah, NBA. He was, he was playing for the Spurs. Yeah. <laughs> and then he played for the Lakers and the Sixers. He even came yeah. to the Sixers. I remember. <laughs> and him, and I tell people, it's like, you know, it's it's a lot of dudes. I wonder what they could have been if not for uh if not for them for the other part. But Lloyd no, Daniels like, Lloyd Daniels like, in the nineteen eighties, a lot of people say that. Never mind Rod Strickland. Never mind Pearl Washington. Never mind Chris Mullen, Mark Jackson, Kenny Anderson, Kenny Smith. These were all great high school players. Mm-hmm. Lloyd Daniels was the best, but he couldn't stay on a high school team because he couldn't read. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> yep. And who else? My my. Uh, and there was a lot of it. it he, he was somebody else I was thinking of, but. Oh, uh, I'll get that name back, but no, but um, no, but going back, like, I but said, but back to that to that game. So you know, uh, Iverson fumbles the ball at the end. Georgetown mm-hmm. wins the game, and my father and I are both Sixer fans, just like you. And we know the Sixers got the first pick. And when we yep. leave the, the the garden that night, my father's like, they got to pick AI. They got to pick AI. They've got to pick AI. Got <laughs> oh, when 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 Philly got the number one pick. It was here, 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 here's what it came down to. And I can tell you this as somebody, and, and this was, and that, and it's kind of, they kind of parallel because 92, the, Charles Barkley left summer of 92. Allen Iverson arrives summer of 96. Those four were the, were the worst four years I've ever yes. seen. Yes. As a Sixers fan, and, Look, and I'm not even you, talking you, about You've got two, you've got two god awful errors. You've got 92 to 96. And then you got the post Andre Miller era, which were they were they were pathetic. They were pathetic up until they were able to draft Embiid, Simmons, and Fultz, and uh, yeah. no, Noel Nerlens. They uh, yeah. Okafor. The process. The process. Yeah, the process. They those were the two worst eras in my lifetime of Philly basketball, where motherfuckers were laughing at me, y'all, because both uh, the first time the '92 to '96 era. I'm living in New York. I'm a huge Sixer fan, and all my Nick, my Nick friends are killing me. Oh, oh, oh. we're gonna win a championship. What the fuck, you, you, you battling for, for, for a lottery pick? And that hurt. And like I yeah. said, it, it, it hurt because I used to, because I got this, because I was watching it, and it was like, and it was like we really needed a breath of fresh air. 
And when we got the first pick, here's the thing. But you know, before you go there, they picked Sean Bradley, and that was a horrible pick. What the fuck? I was didn't that? like that pick going in. Why? And I just, now I, I go back. Like, let Jamal me go back to the racist. Let me go back to the. Let me go Jamal back to the racist. Let me go back to the racist white middle age media. Mm-hmm. Mike and the Mad Dog. You know who I'm talking about. They I know probably, Mike and Mad Dog. All right, Mike Francesa. Before the draft, he's hyping Sean Bradley up like he's this. Oh, oh, oh well, Mad Dog. Sean Bradley will revolutionize the center position in the NBA. And then, and then Mad Dog's like, oh, what are you, what are you talking about? I, I never heard this guy. What are you, he, he, he's got a revolution. What are you? Oh, Francis is like, the man is seven foot six, and he can, and he, he played first base for the Brigham Young basketball team. Huh? What the fuck does playing first base have to do with being a center in the fucking NBA? All right? The highlights I saw him was this gangly-looking, Frankenstein-looking uh, freak. The only thing he could do was block shots. That's all he but, could do. But can, I, can I say something about yeah, that? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, Mike. If you are seven foot six, you should, you should average three blocks a game on accident. Like Mark Eaton did. Like Mark but, but like I said, th- and, and the one thing I will honestly say, you know, with Sean Bradley, you know, this is not, nothing personal. The man is paralyzed from a from an accident. That that that, that uh, we 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 uh, we pray, uh, and uh, we we are sorry to hear that. I mean, but, but this is just basketball. We're talking right. We're just talking we're basketball. Just not, and I'm gonna tell you who I wanted that year. I wanted Jamal Mashburn. Penny Hardaway would have been great. I would have been cool with Penny Hardaway. But I was you, Penny you couldn't have gone wrong with either guy. I like Penny and I like Jamal Mashburn. And right? I'm like because you know what? We needed help everywhere. Right? So but, but this Penny, was the era where people loved the great center. But he wasn't a great center. And he had no, he, he didn't wasn't. Play, and he didn't play his senior year. He went on a missionary. He went on a Mormon mission and came back. And <laughs> they had to like literally force, they were trying to force feed him in the summer camps. And I was like, this is not good. And then, you know, the next year, oh, the, the, media, the media, the media, like Mike Francesa, the real big names in the media were hyping this guy up. The ESPN draft uh, a specialist. We're talking about, oh, man, all, all the intangibles. he bring. I don't need fucking intangibles. All right. I need a 20 to 25 point a night score, because remember, back then, the NBA was defensive minded. So guys weren't averaging those huge numbers. That AI would bring back into the league, right? He, right. you needed, you needed a guy that averaged twenty to twenty-five points, mm-hmm. a la a Jamal Mashburn or a Penny Hardaway, who plays both sides of the ball, a la Jamal they, Mashburn or Penny Hardaway. All right, you knew Weber was going to go uh, to uh, Orlando, so uh, that second pick you had to pick wisely. Why? <laughs> because there was also, but but also wonder. Also wondered what did the Sixers know about that trade? That 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 uh Orlando and I'm and sure Gordon. I'm sure everybody knew was go that Weber was going had to go. You couldn't have Shaq and Weber on the same team. Those two those are two guys with similar games who can't shoot free throws. You, you but, yeah, oh, <laughs> now I, I will I will tell you this: Chris Weber later on in his career, he God bless him. The man, the man ended up about a 74, 75 percent free throw. Yeah, yeah, Chris yeah, Weber yeah. was Chris yeah. Weber and Shaq were both at about the forty-five to fifty percent when range. they came in the league. Right, right. So you don't need two guys clogging up the middle. 
And you they can't both all they, need, they both need the ball in, in, in the post, and they both can't shoot free throws late in the game. So Orlando made the right trade. Yeah. They, Orlando doesn't make that trade. No, Orlando might make that might make that trade if the Sixers draft Penny, because then we can get Chris Webber. But you know what? And here here's the other part about that that whole situation, though. If you think about it, you know Orlando ended up in the lottery by the slimmest of chances. It was like the fifth tiebreaker. They got yeah, they they beat they beat the Sixers even though the Sixers had a much worse record than Orlando. Orlando almost made the playoffs in Shaq's. Um, 41. And, they, and with the worst, they had the, the, the best record among the lottery teams and still got the first pick. <laughs> Let me tell you, and, and I'm, I'm going to tell you the most, the craziest part story about this, getting back to the Sixers. I saw Shaq his rookie year. I got to watch him. Like I said, I got, I, I love, God bless my grandma. She's still here with me. My grandfather passed years ago. God bless my grandma. She's still here with me. She used to take me to Philadelphia. She used to every year, either for my birthday or just random, she would grab me and one of my cousins and would we would we would go to Philadelphia and we would watch the Sixers. She took me and one of her students, actually, she was a teacher. She took me and one of her students and we watched the Sixers. And it, I didn't realize how big this game was. The Sixers were playing the Orlando Magic. And this game, basically, if Orlando had won this game, Orlando would have ended up in the playoffs. And the Sixers would have probably got the lot of the first pick in the draft. Yep. <laughs> the Sixers beat Orlando. And you'll remember this name right here. One of the greatest shooters in, in this team's history. Quiet man, Hersey Hawkins. Hersey Hawkins. Hey, hey uh, I'll be talking more about that on my Patrick Ewing podcast when I talk about a, a guard tandem that I thought was going to be great for the Sixers, the Dawkins and Hawkins combination yep. that that for a couple of years there were we're we're looking we're looking great and then all of a sudden Johnny Dawkins just lost his talent. His talent yeah. just disappeared. Just, like Her, started, Hersey had a like solid a career. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because when, 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 when Dawkins and Hawkins were together for late eighties to the early nineties, Sixers yep. had some good teams. Yeah. Um, they had some strong teams, like I said. He won, won, the, won, the, won the division both in ninety and won the uh, Atlantic division in both eighty, a uh, ninety and ninety one with that yeah. starting backcourt. Yeah, they had that. Yeah, that. Um, uh, and that's what I and I uh, I remember Hersey Hawkins. I think that might have been his career high night. But Hersey Hawkins was hot that night. When I say he was hot, he was Mister Buckets. And I looked up, and and Shaq and Orlando. Just couldn't do it. But like I said, that next that summer, I was like, okay, who can we get? And I was like, you know, I watch college basketball. I was like, okay, I'm thinking Jamal Mashburn. We got Sean Bradley. Sean Bradley. Then there was the Sharon Wright. And then 95, we'll, we'll move ahead. 95, me being a Delaware kid, here I am back in the state of uh back home again. Uh the Sixers moved their their training camp to the University of Delaware. Great, and this great. was the year that they got Jerry Stackhouse. So I was geeked by Jerry Stackhouse, but I will tell you the God honest truth. I had wished we took a chance on Kevin Garnett or Rashid Wallace, but I understood the Jerry Stackhouse pick that year. And then they Stack went, they went, got Derek Coleman in a trade. They finally got rid of Bradley and got Derek yep. Coleman. And so 
after they drafted AI with the first pick, that first year, Johnny Davis was the coach, 96-97. The Sixers look like they could be an up-and-coming team. You got D.C., you got Stackhouse and AI. Now, that didn't work because AI was playing point his rookie year. Stackhouse the two. Uh, on paper, it looks like a good backcourt, but no. On one paper. guy's got it. They average. Them dudes, together, them dudes <laughs> averaged about 45 a game. And how many shots per game they took. I think they took 80% Yo, they, of the and, shots. And, 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 <laughs> and, you could sit, and the sad thing was, I saw them, saw them play the Bulls rookie year. Uh, the infamous. I saw him twice. Is, play that, the Bulls the, is twice. that the infamous crossover game? Twice. Saw him, saw him play the first game where the Bulls won. Saw him play the next game in the infamous crossover game. The crossover game. The crossover game. Cross, <laughs> and he literally hit Michael Jordan. Because here's what happened. Allen Iverson had been trying to do it the first time the Sixers and the Bulls met in December. Allen Iverson tried to hit him with that, and it didn't work. And it didn't work because they, they the Bulls' rotations were a little bit too tough. And right, one time, right. Iverson tried to do it. Dennis Rodman gave him a hip check. It was like, ah. don't even try it. And they both got taxed. The next game they played, Iverson got the ball, and I said he's going to do what he's been trying to do for the last two or three meets. He's going to try to cook Jordan. He put that move on him and brought Mike back and forth. And I was like, oh. And, I mean, we love, we, we know we know what Michael Jordan is, and we right. don't need to say much else. But for a rookie to get him in that position, and this was, and I mean, this was, a, and I mean, both of the games were close games. Chicago won them. Both of those games were close games, but we understand this was the year that the Bulls won 69 games. Right. They had the 72 right. win game. Right. This, right. So in between this two years, this this is when Chicago was losing once or two, was losing no more than two or three games in a month. Right. If that. Right. So this was so Iverson. So we we saw that, and then when they moved Jerry Stackhouse, that follow early next step, the following year, I saw Iverson play. Iverson, I, I saw him again. It was Thanksgiving, like I said. My family, we get together, we do these things. We would go to Sixers games. It would be like eight nine of us. We go to Sixers games, but this year they're playing the Lakers. Shaq is out. But Kobe Bryant is playing. Ah, like you Kobe. got to see the first meeting between uh, Kobe. Yeah, I got to see Kobe. Yeah. And Kobe and I. And, and, and this is before Kobe became mama when he was still quiet because he was still well, getting at this, small. At this point of the time, Kobe was coming off the bench, right? He was yeah, backing up Eddie Jones. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it was the second. Him and Iverson, both, this was their second year, as a matter of fact. They right. were both coming off the bench because Kobe had Philly, uh, Philly basketball Legend Eddie Jones, Eddie, Eddie Jones in front of him, right? Right, yep. Eddie Jones in front of him with uh Van Exel. Also, um, God knows uh, if the Lakers had made that work and kept Eddie Jones, they would have had at least two more rings. I'll put money with that. Well, Eddie, Eddie was on Eddie was on the first championship team, right? No, they traded Eddie for Glenn Rice Day uh, right before then. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. You're I, right. I hated it, right. but you know, they should have, I, I, I should, I should. Eddie Jones is a great teammate. Everybody ever talks about Eddie Jones loved him because yeah. he'd have come off the bench with no problem. He, yeah. he, Eddie, he Eddie, Eddie was such a smooth ball player. I loved Eddie's yeah. game. Loved him in Temple. Lo yeah. Loved him in the NBA. That's what that, and that's what I. But like I said, we're watching that game, and like I said, and this is when you know the team started getting better. But then they made that trade, and uh, they moved 
I forgot who the good lord. But when they moved Stack, basically sent Stackhouse to Detroit. They they sent Stackhouse to Detroit and they made these moves. And then later that year, I saw them beat the Knicks, and then they even beat the Bulls. Later in that year, and that was Iverson's second year. You saw the development, but the development really, really took off when they hired Larry Brown to be that, head matter coach. Fact, matter of fact, that was the that second year, that Larry Brown year, that was that year they when I said they beat that was Larry Brown's first year. Right. Because I think, yeah, because they because Johnny Davis was only there for for, for a cup of coffee. Right, right. But they when they brought Larry Brown in, like I said, and you can see the you can see the ten, you can see the way they felt about you know, Iverson and Larry Brown, and it's crazy that they butted heads, but they're so much alike. They're so much alike. That's why they butted heads. Because Allen Iverson and Larry Brown are both guys that want things done their way to the point where sometimes they shut other people out. and they You know, Larry Brown was a point guard, was an NBA point guard, a college point guard. And while he wasn't a great, great ball player, he always was looking for the type of point guard that he was. Um, I'm going to, I talked about this, talked about this on a recent podcast uh, where I talked about how uh, Pat Pat Riley loved John Starks and that's why he went down with John Starks in 94 to the Rockets because yep, John Starks reminded Roman. him of himself as a player. The only point guard Larry Brown ever really, really loved that remind because he reminded him of him was Chauncey Billups when he uh, when he coached the Detroit Pistons in his only NBA championship. That's the only that's the only guy. Larry is a he's and I mean and here's the other perfectionist thing. Larry Brown and AI and well, Larry Brown makes the the right decision. He moves AI from the point to the two. Which was, Eric, revolutionary, Snow, which was revolutionary, which was revolutionary because today, how many guys play like AI? I have been telling people for years now that in the last 25 years, the single most influential player in the last 25 years is the answer, is Bubba Chuck, is Allen Iverson. Because look at today's premier guards, James Harden, uh-huh. Kyrie Irving. Steph, uh, Kirk, Dame, yep. Westbrook, they, they you are all see AI's game in each and every one of John and, Wall, and and, and, and yeah. you can and you can see it when I watch them, when I watch guys like that, especially with Steph, where I'm gonna, you know what, I'm gonna get mine. It's it's like yep. with Steph, Steph, it's like there was, you know, Isaiah Thomas was like that, God. But he would, but Isaiah Thomas was not the bucket man that Allen Iverson was. He could have been Allen if he Iverson, wanted to. But, Allen, but, but Isaiah he could have, he could have, he could have been, he could have been. He was more team oriented as far and Chuck Daly pulled the reins on him too. But Isaiah, when he had to, did it. AI oh, yeah. and, and, and Curry and all those guys, they do it every night. AI, they uh, do it every night. He Isaiah would, would save it. Save it for those special occasions like that one time when he played on one ankle and still scored 40-something yeah. points. Yeah, he could bet. Ah, oh, man. <laughs> he just was a – like I said, and, and, and the thing about it was when Larry Brown, and like I said, it's just my biggest question I've always asked with Larry Brown was this. 
when you go out here and when he met the next year in the 98 and the not um and the Larry Hughes draft. I always I liked Larry Hughes, but Larry Hughes was not the player that the Sixers needed at that he's moment. Not, and I love Larry. Hughes. That, he's not the player that people thought he was going to be. They thought he was going to be that B to AI's A. I never yeah. saw him that way though. I never saw him that way either. I always thought he was a nice piece, but I never yeah. thought like I thought if he was like the third, he he was Larry Hughes was good enough to have been the third guy on a contender. But not the second. They were looking for him to be the number two guy. That he wasn't that type of player. Nope. And the and the scary part about it is the two players that were drafted after him. It's about Paul Pierce and Dirk Nowitzki, number nine, Dirk, ten, Paul. I will I I, I will scratch my head forever in a day. And wonder what would have happened if you went one of you those. Know, two you ways. know what's crazy, Mike? Larry Brown coached Kansas to a championship game. Larry Brown is a huge college basketball fan. Junkie. Larry Brown saw Paul Pierce in college. What told Larry Brown that the kid from St. Louis would be a better option than Paul Pierce? Maybe Larry Brown was thinking. But you could move Paul Pierce to small forward if you if, if you're thinking Paul Pierce is, is a two guard. Paul Pierce is big enough to play small forward. Yeah. A, AI at two, Paul Pierce at three. You could have done and the thing about it is also because it wouldn't have been what I think also that that there's the other dynamic. Paul Pierce played at Kansas for Roy Williams. Roy Williams and Larry Brown are both products of what school? They, they're Dean Smith and they're Dean Smith uh, disciples. Dean Smith. These yeah. are they're both Dean Smith guys. They're very mm-hmm. close friends. Mm-hmm. I know they. I know they had to have conversations. Oh, of course. Of they course. had a lot of conversations. To this very day, Larry Brown and um and uh and Roy Williams are are very close. If Larry Brown, if I, I know Larry Brown had at least one conversation now, with Roy now, now, about Paul. <laughs> Refresh my memory. Was it Roy Williams that took over from Dean Smith? I mean, from Larry Brown at Kansas? As a matter of fact, it was. <sighs> Roy Smith, I mean, excuse me. Roy, Roy Williams. Left, Roy Williams left the North Carolina bench to go because that North Carolina job was always going to be Roy's whenever Dean, Dean finally walked but away. But Dean wasn't going to retire right away. So Roy no, took Dean over. Retire. He took over for Larry Brown after Larry Brown won the 1988 championship. With yeah, the Danny but, Manning team, but that, but there was, yeah. some, but but I also wonder that relationship has some things go south because Danny, because of Danny Manning, because Danny Manning was a high school player out of Greensboro, North Carolina, who, it, it, who led but one of the greatest teams in the state. Carolina, yeah. He was, and, and, and Danny Manning from played for Greensboro Page High School, undefeated, state champion as a junior. His dad gets offered a job at the University of Kansas. And ends up going moving to Kansas. <laughs> and that might have, that might have been the first Kansas. time. That might have been the first time that a huge Mister North Carolina did not go to North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, that was what that had to be, or at least NC State, because you know they were relevant back. Right, then. right. Well, or Duke, or one Duke. of the three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but at that time, and it was like when you lost him and you got him out there, and you basically were able to keep him in Kansas for a year and then get him to go to college at KU. But like I said, it's and 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 the next couple of years, um, getting back to the Sixers, this is when you could tell they started to rebuild the team in the image 
of what we need to get around Allen, to put around Allen Iverson. So that's that was the greatest part. That was the that was that those those teams with Matt Geiger, the grit and grind. Allen Iverson was might have been the only superstar on those teams, but those teams were were defensive bullies. They 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 oh, they, they fought got, every possession. They Eric, played Eric deep. Snow, George Lynch. Yep. Oh man, had he not gotten hurt, oh, Alonzo Ratliff. I loved Ratliff. Oh Rat. Oh Ratliff. But, I loved Ratliff. You know, we were able to move Theo Ratliff uh, for uh, my. They they removed Ratliff for Matumbo, which at the time I felt bad because Ratliff had made the All Star team that year. But couldn't play because he broke his wrist. I think he broke his wrist. But uh, man, that had he not broken his wrist, that trade wouldn't have been made. That would that trade would have been irrelevant. Yeah. And Theo Rat and like I said, Theo Ratliff was a very good rim protector. I really like. Like I said, we all. I love. I, I was a Theo Rat. And the thing about it was, he's a Philadelphia guy. And do you know Theo Ratliff? He's a Philadelphia guy, and he reminds me of another guy from I think from the state of Alabama. By the name of Ben Wallace. And oh, the, by the and way, the fact that, I called I called Theo Ratliff Alonzo Ratliff. There goes my boxing story making a <laughs> mistake. Alonzo Ratliff, former, former former pro boxer from the 1980s cruiserweight. Uh, Theo Rat, I love Theo Ratliff. Uh, it was tough. I, he was a tough. And he was I tough think, as nails. And he was a better offensive player than Matumbo. Matumbo yeah. was an incredible defender, but yeah. he was an offensive high. Matumbo's <laughs> Matumbo's career high in points was his rookie year, and he never broke, never approached that. Only game. because Denver Paul Westhead played that Loyola Marymount style basketball, where you go, everybody where, scores. Call it balls. Call <laughs> yeah. it balls to the wall. We, they had a five second. They had a five second shot clock. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, while we say, you know, we remiss this since we're talking Philly basketball, you know, God bless Hank Gathers and Bo Kimball both. But yes, yes. That was also great. Like I said, it's, it, it, but like I said, then when that Matumbo trade hit, it was like, okay, we got you know why there. I think, you know why I think that trade was made? Wow. Now we can talk about this. The 2001 NBA All-Star Game, in which AI put one of the greatest performances, fourth quarters in the history of the sport. It's that on that level. Awesome. It's on that level as the uh, the Magic Johnson 1992 uh, All-Star Game, where AI was hitting shot after shot after was, shot. They were was... down by 22 points early in the fourth quarter, and Matumbo was blocking everything. Matumbo was getting rebound. Matumbo was dominating the the the, the paint area on the defensive end. While AI and Steph Marbury were killing that, the West on the good. offensive uh, side of the board, and Larry Brown was the coach of the All Star Game, and he saw the dynamic, and he was like, you know, he probably went. Who was the Philly GM at the time? Was it Billy? Was King? it Billy King? He probably went to Billy King and said, "Look, we we need to Theo's out for the year. Let's see if we can get Matumbo." I think that's what convinced Larry Brown because Matumbo in that fourth quarter was getting every rebound. Everybody, like Matumbo, and like they said, it was really one of those things where Allen Iverson and uh and Stephon Marbury, it was like these got both of them. You could see when they walked onto the court, and they, I think, I remember this game. It was in D.C. I saw, I saw Marbury and Iverson walk onto the court. And this is the first time I'd ever gotten to really see them play as together on like that. And it was one of those things where Steph hit them two late threes. It was like Iverson. It was and it was like they were both going at Kobe because Kobe 
God bless, God rest his soul. Kobe was <laughs> Kobe was the Kobe was a bucket for the West in that. And Kobe was, Kobe was going to be the MVP if it wasn't for that comeback. And it's it funny that comeback. when the game ended, Vince Carter is jumping up and down more than anybody. I was like, you yeah. ain't do shit. Yeah. <laughs> but but it was but like I said, it was just it was like I said that was one of those it was one of those late that was when those all star games where it was like okay we we get our we that get was, our that, kicks that, out. We what I loved off, about what I loved ball. about that all star game, uh, Mike, it was it it had the feeling of a game seven. Because you because like I said, we all know the NBA all star games. Hey, let's get our let let's take these let's take these fifty foot threes. Let's let's alley hoop, no look. Let's do that for the first quarter and a half. Last two quarters, especially in that fourth quarter, this is a basketball game. Man, that that had the <laughs> feeling of a game seven. Yep. NBA Finals. They win the game. AI gets the end of the All Star MVP. MVP. And what's the first thing he does? Yo, which coach? coach? Where's my coach? Where's my coach at? <laughs> His mom was up there with him, and the first thing he said was, "Where my coach at?" <laughs> and um, and like I said, we ended up. The whole every like that that playoff run was mad. That playoff run was magical because that beat play, a very good it Milwaukee. Was so team. stressful though. That was a so stressful two, two game sevens. Run. Hey, before that, the, they lost the very first game of the opening round to the Indiana Pacers, yeah. the same team that had eliminated us the last two years. Yep. And I'm and thinking, oh a, shit! And back then, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, it was the best of five, not the best of seven. Yeah. It was today. So you yeah. lose one game on your home court. To a very to, whole, to, this series could be over to the defending Eastern Conference champion Indiana Pacers, the same team that had kicked the Sixers' ass the last two years in the playoffs. And, 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 and if you remember that summer before, Allen Iverson, there was we we skipped this part, but the controversy with the rap song, the controversy with uh, with a uh, Larry Brown walking into the office saying, "I can't coach him." Trade right, him. right, 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 and that's when um. What's that guy's name? Pat. What was the the uh, the CEO? Pat. Uh, Pat Croce. Pat Croce sat him down and 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 basically was a marriage counselor and got the two to talk. And, and, the one and, thing I, the, the, the one thing I will say about Pat Croce, that man is batshit crazy, and a lot of his methods and conventional things. He told, but I mean, let me tell you, he rebuilt that team though. And he told and he and he, and he tried to warn Iris's friends. He said. I would, he said, if y'all get him into any more bullshit, it was after Iverson got arrested after his rookie year for right. weed and a gun in the car. Weed and a gun, right? Yep. And uh, Pat Croce told his friends, "I will, I will come to Virginia. I will burn your houses down if you ever get him in some more That's shit." A, like that. that was a crazy ass white boy, Pat that was, But you know what? But yeah, and I mean, he was a fitness guru. <laughs> yeah. I always remembered him doing like the little seventy. He was like a trainer. Yep. So I wonder yep. how he got there because he was like the fitness guru. He would do these like segments in the at the halftime of the Sixers games that I would watch when I but was. But he kid. he wasn't the majority owner. They voted nah. him in as the CEO. They voted him in yeah. as a. You know he was he was in charge of the team, but he he probably had very very little minority interest in the team. Yeah. But I mean he he ran the show and um yeah. I got to give him credit. He because because that could have went. That was very combustible. Because if you know Larry Brown leaves, they not go. They they not no. go to the NBA Finals in 2000. Because Larry, Larry, and, the, and the crazy part is Larry Brown is the only coach that could truly uh, at the at the NBA level. He was the only coach that could truly be Allen Iverson's coach. And I think if we pay attention to now the way they talk about each other, 
and oh, they 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 they, they, they really they they feel, they they, they love back, each other with a passion. Yeah, they wish they could have. They wish they could have worked it out now. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you hear, because you hear, when Larry Brown was coaching in Charlotte, he was saying one of the toughest things is he said, "I don't have a guy like Allen Iverson who I can lean on and say, hey, go out there and show these guys what it, what it is.'" You know, he said there are guys that are that don't have that. He said Allen's heart. He said we don't have a guy with that kind of heart. And Larry and Brown he, said he's got more. He's got the most heart of any player I've ever coached. And going back to Chauncey Billups, one mm-hmm. of the big ifs were Larry Brown doesn't leave and take the Nick job and stays in Detroit. That was a huge mistake on um, Larry Brown's part because he had the point guard that he always co- coveted in Chauncey. Had two straight trips to the finals. And uh, they uh, they would have won another championship. They would have gotten at least one more. And and the mistake of drafting Darko. Darko. And I, I, and I just... Talk about history repeating itself. What happened to Philly happened to Detroit. <laughs> yeah. And it's and 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 this is and then you know we got beat by Shaq. of course got Doc. Shaq. <laughs> I tell people, I tell people, don't ever compare any basketball player over the last forty years to the dominance of Shaquille O'Neal as far as in the post. He was scary. <laughs> oh, but, we, so but this, before we get before we get to that finals in two thousand mm-hmm. in two thousand one. They lose game one to to uh, Indiana in the opening round, and I'm I'm. That's I'm when Jermaine O'Neal was coming into his own. I'm scared shitless, man. I'm like I oh, am too, because I told I'm you like, oh, I I oh, saw oh. I started seeing something in Jermaine O'Neal in Indiana where I was like, this was pre getting Ron Artest, but I saw the way Jermaine yeah. O'Neal turned into a star. I was like, this. And is remember, me. the biggest sixer killer during that era was Reggie Miller. Yeah. So I'm like, oh shit, not again. But no. Philly comes back with the we next three games. When when the next three games, and they go on to the second round and play the Toronto Raptors mm-hmm. in the most intense series, the two most intense series I've ever seen in, with the Sixers in the last thirty years were both against Toronto. <laughs> that is true. That is losers. <laughs> it's something about Philadelphia and Toronto. Even if we go back to the. Uh, to the Blue Jays and the Phillies. There's something about Philadelphia and Toronto. Oh, the Flyers and the Maple Leafs. This, 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 there's a history there between yeah, there's a, like, Philly yeah, and Toronto. You're right. <laughs> there's something about Philadelphia and the city of Toronto. Meek Mill and, uh, and, and Drake. And Drake. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's something about... Philly and Toronto. There's something so, about Philly and Toronto. Like, was, Toronto, Toronto that, is probably right underneath New York and Boston. That seven-game series was hectic. I mean, AI was hurting. I was scared. But Aaron McKee turned on. Aaron McKee, he was the sixth man of the year that season. Yes. But Aaron McKee, the current coach of Temple, Philadelphia born and bred. Philadelphia legend. Called him him Blue. That was his nickname. (laughs) Called him Blue because he was dark. So because he was so dark, they nicknamed him Blue. But Aaron McKee was one of those guys that came through and it was one of those series where it was every series, there's a hero that you don't necessarily expect sometimes. And, and Eric McKee literally turned on like he like it was he turned it to, Well he he, ha- he had to because he was AI's backup. Yeah. And AI was he was, he was every he was, part of AI's God. body was hurt. The the worst part was his ass. His ass was on let me, let, he, I, let, he couldn't sit down. <laughs> and here's the thing. Alan Iverson. 
Allen Iverson, that Sixers that year, backtracking just a bit, if you remember Allen Iverson, I think he had a shoulder injury or yep. separated shoulders. I believe yep. separated shoulder. And then he had an elbow injury. This is right around the time, right before he started wearing that sleeve. Right. He was supposed to be out for approximately three to five weeks. I think they were talking about him being out up to a month. He he got hurt. Miss, I think he might have missed one game, it's but one it was game. a game against Golden State. He was back in the lineup. I and I was like, this is different because we saw he was he was not supposed to be playing again. I think this was a uh, a thing. This was a this was a, between Thanksgiving and Christmas injury around right before right. Christmas. Right, Allen Iverson was not supposed to be playing for close to a month, and he was back within two games. So this and, is like you said, he had the the the, the butt injury. Yep, had back had. I remember he shoulder had elbow. Remember the graphic they had on NBC during the Toronto playoffs, where they had a a, a, a they they had a a a body up on the screen, and yes. they had yes. they had the points to each. Part of his body that body he had injured during the season. <laughs> they was like he was like he could. Li- they was like it's. They was like if this basically it was a situation where if the team wasn't fighting for a championship, Allen Iverson would have went to Allen Iverson would have been shelved right yep. after the All Star game. Yep, yep, yep. And, he would have put on. He would have been iced right after the All Star game because there was no way in the world you could you could put your best player out there with those injuries that he had because his body was busted. And I mean that seven game series against Toronto, Vince Carter, <laughs> game seven, flew to his graduation, flew back. People talk shit. I'm like, you know, leave it alone. That's a graduation. We talk about kids, these young athletes right, getting an education. Right. He got his education. Trust me, that did not affect him. Then no. lost the game because, like I said, you had Allen Iverson was out there playing out of his mind. He put a head. Ed, Ed, Ed. After they win that seventh game, they have just as an intense seven-game series with the Milwaukee Bucks, and now we come in full circle. The last Big East game was against Ray Allen, Ray Allen versus Allen Iverson. Now the 2001 Eastern Conference Finals, Milwaukee Bucks versus the Philadelphia 76ers, Ray Allen versus Allen Iverson again. And one of those, and here's the thing, in one of those series, if you remember, he obviously got his tooth knocked up when his front teeth knocked Yes! Out. Yes! Yeah. And that's now, why I'm trying to think all the injuries remember, they talked about. Me. And he remind got his, me. and I remember because he was, he was having to hold his mouth closed because his tooth had gotten busted in the middle of the game. Like, he was literally holding his mouth closed and, like, right after the game, they, he was talking in the interview but as soon as the interview ended, you could see somebody, medical personnel, run up to him and put a put a put a towel over his mouth and get him out and get him to the locker room. Which series did he miss a game? Was it the oh, Toronto man. series or the Milwaukee series? I one think of it was those, Toronto. Okay, one of he missed the game. Milwaukee, so he missed the game in Toronto. He played the entire series against Milwaukee, but he was still you could see he was he was struggling. He was still because I think the one game he missed might have been the one where Vince went for like fifty one or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the series against Milwaukee, now remind me, one of those games he had something like sixteen assists. Cause yeah. he, he was so hurt that he became a decoy and his point guard his 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 point guard instincts took over and he was passing out the Milwaukee made a mistake. They, they didn't. They didn't need to double team him in that game. No, because <laughs> no, I remember. As a matter of fact, the one game against Milwaukee, if I remember, 
George Lynch had about eight points off cuts to the basket. From eight from AI passing. Yep. Right. I remember if you remember, it was about it was about four or five buckets. George Lynch cut, boom. Allen Iverson. Like Allen Iverson was literally hitting him as he was cutting to the basket. It was one of those basically it was one of those um Pete Carroll Princeton offense videos, the way it was being run. The way they were doing the back cuts and this, I was like, how is it? And me and my dad were like, how is George Lynch always at the basket? Because they were doubling and tripling a crippled AI. They were doubling, <laughs> tripling a crippled AI. And AI said, okay, if you're going to do that, I'm just going to let somebody else get it. And like I said, it was, and they put, and they put big guys around him that act as trees. If you get what I'm saying? Yep. For when they run pick and rolls or he needs a screen. They had, they always they put Larry Brown put big guys around Allen Iverson that knew how to set a good screen. Oh, they were some great the screen. Uh, Lynch, Matumbo, Ratliff before he was traded. Yep. Matt Geiger, especially too. And a oh, lot I of people. Lo- I, I loved I loved Matt Geiger, man. Matt Another Geiger, my guy Geiger career was Allen ended up short. Yeah, his career ended up short. Matt Geiger was he yeah. was also out because you if you remember the previous year. Matt Geiger had to drop Reggie Miller because Allen Iverson had been taking some hard fouls against Indiana from the Davis right. boys, I think. Yeah, and then the one of them, yeah. And then I think um he went somebody went to the basket. And uh, I mean Reggie Miller went to the basket and Matt Geiger flattened him to let him know, look, y'all not gonna touch him and think Reggie's gonna go unscathed. So that was, that I was give Matt Geiger credit for that one. But like I said, that was that series against that series against Milwaukee was a barn burn. Milwaukee had a Milwaukee's biggest problem was was I, I honestly believe Milwaukee just one couldn't get Philadelphia, but Milwaukee couldn't sustain anything because of the guy they had as their head coach. That was George Carl. I never believed in him as a head coach, and when I looked at George Carl, looked at Larry Brown, I said I'll put my money on Larry Brown every day. And, and that was probably the difference. <laughs> yeah, because that was a as I mean. If you remember correctly, that season, Milwaukee beat all the top four. The teams with the four best records in the NBA, Milwaukee went 8-0 against. Because the other, because those games um, against the West, the best teams in the West, Milwaukee swept. And that was the scare. And that was what, and that's what had, had people thinking Milwaukee could get Philly in. I thought they could have got us. But like I said, I'm not. I, I was going. I would say I was scared in that game seven, but I wasn't because, like I said, it was just something about the team. You see the team, you believe in them. And then we go on to the NBA Finals, and when you look at Allen Iverson's career, Mike, the two biggest highlights that they've shown over and over again was his rookie year, the crossover on, of course, on Michael Jordan <laughs> and hitting the yeah. jump shot. And then the overtime shot he hit over Ty <laughs> Lue and stepped Ty over him. And the step over, which is iconic. And I remember when the series began, um, I was thinking the only way they could win this series if if his AI could average 45 to 50 points. He's going to have to, yeah. He gonna, I said at least one of these games, he's going to have to literally win by himself. Which he did in game one, scoring 47. And... If you look at the stats, he had a tremendous series, but yeah. he had no help. Yeah. He had was, no help. And it's okay. It's now him let's... against Shaq and Kobe. That 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 that's like uh that's like a Floyd Mayweather fighting Sugar Ray Leonard and Thomas Hearns at the same time. You're not winning that fight. 
no matter how, how great of a play of a fighter you are, how great of a player you are, you're not. You got arguably from 1990 for for a ten year period from 1995 to 2005, you have arguably the three greatest players that played in the that, NBA. Yeah, you, know, you could, and, you could, you could argue Tim Duncan and Kevin Garnett. I won't argue. You say they were greater than AI. I mean, but 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 put it like this: if we say the five players that epitomized the NBA, there's three of them. There's three of them. To, to, from '96 to let's to say '05, three of those guys were in that series. Right, right. Because the other two would be Garnett and Duncan. They're not. In the yeah. Series. All right. So yeah. you've got three of the best players of that ten year period, and it's one against two. They're gonna beat you. Yeah, now with the, you don't have you you don't have the help and Shaq in two thousand and two. For, you were mentioning this earlier. Now we could talk about it from ni- from nineteen ninety nine to two thousand and two. That three year dynasty that the Lakers had. Shaq was as dominating as any player I ever saw. The only guy that I saw that was that close to dominating two guys: Hakeem Olajuwon, mid nineties with the Rockets. Uh, and Moses Malone with the Rockets and the Sixers, those yeah. uh, those first, er, mo, early, uh, 80s, early early eighties Moses. Yeah, yeah. early. You know what? Those are the three. Those are the only two that I saw on that level that Shaq did. For like Shaq was unstoppable in the post, unstoppable. You couldn't guard him. And we're did, talking, he, we're talking about one of the five greatest defensive players in the history of the NBA, and he ate Matumbo for breakfast. He ate, ate Matumbo, but like literally. Had Matumbo, and and the thing about it was, this was a season that Shaq and Kobe were were, were going back and forth because Shaq was late the training yep. camp. Shaq was yep. out of shape. Yep. Shaq bullshit. Excuse me. Shaq bullshitted for uh, right up right until about the All Star break, and then when it was time to go, Shaq, you know, he turned like that late. That I tell you what, that two thousand one Lakers team that Philadelphia lost to. That step over that AI step over game with Todd, that game against Todd, that was the only game they lost their whole damn playoffs. Yep. Yep. They went they they whacked they they went, they, they went 15 and 1. Yep. They literally whacked they 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 ran through they met Portland again. Wasn't even close. It was like, yeah, don't even Sacramento was right before this was the year before they had the epic right. series. Right. right Blew right. Sacramento out the water. Now, mind you. San Antonio had the league's best record and was looked at as the team to beat. And they literally put San Antonio to bed in four games. And it was like, even after, so we got the first win and it was crazy. Cause I was, I was, you know, this is when so and the internet was first going up. You learn stuff. Ty Lue had the cornrows because he was playing Allen Iverson on scout team in Lakers practice. Right. Right. That's the whole reason he put now, his hair in the cornrows. But they, they, but they, they, the first half, AI smoked Derek Fisher. He, oh, yeah. He put him, he and put him that, Phil Jackson, like great coaches will do, made the adjustment and put Lou on AI because Lou was almost as quick as, as AI. And he was a, Derek Fisher by this point in time was not a step slower, not two steps slower, five steps slower than AI. AI just ate him for breakfast, lunch, and yeah. dinner. And, then, yeah, and, and you're not, not going to put, you're not going to put, year. And you're not gonna put Kobe on AI because you don't want Kobe getting in foul trouble. So you don't want, one, you don't want him getting in foul trouble. Two, you don't want to overextend Kobe Bryant because this is and believe it or not, this is when Kobe and you know and, and Phil Jackson said Kobe get on Iverson. Kobe would have t- Kobe would have tried to turn 
Kobe would have done it because this is this was right when Kobe was becoming the all defensive Kobe. Right, 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 right. This right. is when he started becoming a because I remember the uh, I think it was that year the sit we lost to the um, we lost the game to the Lakers where Kobe Bryant reached out Block, and he blocked block he blocked the AI shot. I remember that. I was like, oh, damn, damn, because I was like I saw and they were talking about his instinct and I was like, oh man, they just jocking Kobe. Then I looked, I said, nah. This fool really turning into a defensive. <laughs> he, and, and Kevin Garnett later talked about a conversation they had with Gary Payton at the All Star break, and Gary Payton showed Kobe a technique, and Kobe started using that rip through technique to, to poke, to poke the basketball out. But like I said, and then the next, but get back to the series, the next couple of games, it just was like I know, like like the Sixers, they could have won game was, two. They had game two late in the game. They blew late. game two. And that was the t- turning point was game two because they yeah, had a late lead. If they could have, if they could have yeah. went back to Philadelphia up two zero, it's a seven game. It's city. a seven game series. It'll be a seven game series because L A. will probably win two out of three in Philly, but I I, I could see it going seven if they could have held on and won that game two. That game that was that was a turning point. That that game took the heart out of the Sixers, and then um, Shaq and Kobe, especially Shaq. Shaq just murdered the tumble. That was, and it's funny thing, but tumble seven two, Shaq seven feet, and, yeah. and, and Shaq was treating him like 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 a little brother, like a little boy. <laughs> my my biggest, the biggest, the, the one thing I told someone, I said, I said it's just it's you look you look at certain players, and it was just one of those things where, and it, it was like one of those things where if you watch March Madness, you see that Cinderella team or that mid major. They 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 knock they're knocking teams off left and right, knocking teams off left and right. They get to the elite eight or get to the final four, and they go and then and then they have to go against Carolina, Duke, or Kansas, or Utah or somebody like that, where their short their point guard is bigger than your center. And it's one of those things where it was just one of those things where we 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 went through it all, but like you said, it was a, it wasn't a fair fight. The, the the Lakers, like I said, that Lakers team, they just they 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 put one on us. And 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 they swept us in our own home court. Oh, three no. straight Philly. Three straight which, uh, uh, first union, but uh it it was game three. I don't know what uh their marketing team was thinking, but uh halftime entertainment game Jeff, three Destiny's the, Child. Destiny's Child, and they came out wearing Kobe jerseys? Yeah. They, like, who I did that they, to them? Like, like why did that? Like, when I said that, and I, when I said the saddest part about it was, I said we were already. I mean, we understand because one, I think one had a Sixers jersey, one had a NBA jersey, and one had a Lakers jersey. And I'm like, you either put them all in NBA jerseys or put them in well, all the Sixers jersey. jerseys. Yeah, because I, I mean, I've been to games. Uh, I went to a basketball, a, a football game with a halftime entertainment. It was a Monday. It was a Thursday night game. That halftime entertainment was some old school rappers, but every one of them was in a Panthers jersey. You didn't see nobody come out there in a Sixers jersey. I mean, an Eagles jersey that game. Oh, you don't, you don't do that. You don't do that. And um, the crowd roasted them. Oh, and the reverb. I heard the reverb a couple of weeks later at the infamous 2001 New York Summer Jam. That's the night that Jay Z put. We talked about it last week. The prodigy and brought out Michael Jackson. Well, before he got hit the stage, Destiny's Child came onto the stage, 
And they were booed out the building. And the girl I took to the concert, it was the first date I ever took her on. She was like, <laughs> why are they booing Beyonce and Kelly? And I was like, well, uh, a lot of, a lot of the, this, the, the concert was in Jersey. So a, there's a lot of Sixer fans here. And I explained to her, oh, that was dumb. <laughs> and I said, there's some, and I mean, and also that was the time. Like I said, that was a different. It, it, that was a different time. You know, we didn't know that. Like then, that was right. That was <laughs> that was that was right when social media and people started to you know see and put things out there. That so, that was crazy. I but it, that. It, 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 we 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 uh the last two games, games four and five, it was complete domination by the Lakers. Both double digit losses by the Sixers, and um. When the series ended, it was beautiful to see Shaq and Kobe talk about the greatness of AI. They yeah. they had them on the same level. Uh, Shaq always loved AI. They would always ask Shaq, who, who, who's the best player in the NBA? And he would go AI. Well, you don't yeah. consider yourself the best player? It's AI. I mean, Shaq uh, always said if he Allen was AI, it was Kobe. Allen Iverson, uh, Allen Iverson is the best player in the NBA right now. We're just lucky. Uh, the best player. And I mean, and, and, and one of my favorite, my, one of my favorite Kobe Bryant quotes: "Y'all lucky Allen Iverson didn't grow to be six foot five. And oh, do, do, do now I go back to <laughs> these clowns, Mike and the Mad Dog. Uh -huh. All season long, that season they were ripping AI. There was a game in which AI scored fifty points on national television, and Mad Dog, he took forty shots. How am I gonna motherfucker? They won the game. He scored fifty. Who else you want shooting the ball? What 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 my, my favorite saying, Allen Iverson and Kobe both live by the saying. Look, with 24 seconds on the shot clock, if I pass the ball and that motherfucker come back to me, obviously you didn't want to take the shot. That's what they they said that they said that is one of the they said Kobe and Allen Iverson both live by that. They I don't know who, I don't know which one said it first. But both of them live by that model. If I get the ball back, obviously you didn't want to shoot it. So guess what? So for the next five years in Philly, it would be up and down. Uh, the 2001-2002 season, AI had a lot of injuries. He 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 was really hurt that year. That was that, that yep. was the year that we got we were eliminated by the Celtics. No, wasn't that 03? Yeah, oh, that was 02. That was the elimination oh. of the Celtics. That was that was the rant against Phil Jackson, the practice. Yes, but the practice. Now, oh, 2000, like that. 2003, they lost, They beat the, the Hornets in the first round and lost in the second round to the Celtics, right? Who was they lost in the second round in 03? They lost in the second round to the Pistons that year. Pistons, right. Because and that's, that, was a, yes. that, was a, that was a series that went, it went, it was two to two. Right, but, and they won oh, the last but let me, I just want right, to. Right. I, I, I right. do want to say Let's this. go back to 2002. They lost to the first round. That practice in game five, right? It was a fifth deciding game. They lost to the Celtics. Yep. Yeah, and go ahead. I didn't. I never liked the way the media talked about that because let me explain something about that practice rant. Alan Iverson started a conversation saying, and he was talking to the late Phil Jasner. Alan Iverson said, "My issue is, I'm hurt. My best friend got murdered. I'm hurt." And we, we just got eliminated, and I'm talking about practice. He said, we're talking about practice. And I, he's not the game. That's when he went into the little thing. Yeah. But the media turned that soundbite and turned it into a soundbite. And it was really somebody talking about, yo, I got everything. Like, we're talking about mental health and sports in 2020. You know, nowadays, 
But Iverson was literally saying, I have had, I've, I've, I'm going, I'm in, I'm in a mental and personal hell right now. And we're talking about practice. He wasn't, he was not disrespecting practice. And that's where him and Larry Brown really started going back and forth. And he had that, he got arrested for that situation with a gun in that summer, that same summer of 2002. That was where um, Iverson got arrested. And that, that was that was really when I started to see the last days of Allen Iverson in Philadelphia coming up. It just well, happened first it was Larry later. Brown. It, what's what's uh, ironic is Larry Brown leaves them for the team that beat them that beat in them. 2003. Because they because they because they moved because they they fought they basically let Rick Carlisle go and let Rick Carlisle went to Indiana. Yep. Yep, and they hired Larry Brown, and his ver his ver very first year, he was a championship with the Detroit Pistons. And to this day, still, the greatest defensive team I've ever seen was 2003-2004 Pistons. That was the perfect team for Larry Brown to coach. Everybody on, everybody on that, that, that team had already been to the Eastern Conference Finals. That team had already been good. Mm -hmm. in, and I mean that, and, and remember, they had... Two of the best, two of the toughest series I've ever seen. They where they beat the Pacers and the previous series where Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billis were going back and forth. Yep. And yep. Chauncey hit that, and they, and they had that game where Chauncey hit the half court shot to go yep. to overtime. Yep. Yep. So yeah, that 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 O four Pistons team couldn't be denied. But like I said, that's around when we really started to see the deterioration of the Sixers, because I think Chris Ford, Stu Jackson, uh, I think oh, Randy Ayers, not Randy Stu Jackson, Randy Ayers. Randy Harris. Uh, yeah. Then you have Mo Cheeks. Yeah. Uh, AI was still putting up great numbers. Uh, 2000. Yeah, actually led, the, actually won another uh, all-star MVP, I think led the league in scoring at least one, one more time. He was, and you could, you could make a point that he was robbed of an MVP award that Steve Nash got. He put, uh, uh, Alan, hey, let me tell you something. He put up the best best season of his career statistically across the board: assists, steals, uh, shooting percentage, game, everything. Shooting percentage, three point percentage, free throw percentage. He had a phenomenal year. Was that two thousand four, two thousand five? It was two thousand four, two thousand five, two thousand five, two thousand six. There were about four or five people I could have given that MVP award to. Now two thousand five, two thousand six. Uh, Shaq. Yep. Uh, uh, I mean, you LeBron. LeBron, that and that and it's ironic you said that because that was right when LeBron was coming in. That was when LeBron went from he's just outside, he's one of the to oh my God, LeBron is really he's here now. Which he would submit in 2007 with that incredible game five against the Pistons, where yeah. from that point on you could say he's been the best player on in, on the planet. Yeah. All right, well, so that, that was also the game that was really the end of the, the era for the Pistons. Yeah. That yeah. that was where you really started to see them. And which, then I mean which segues was, into the trade. Into yeah. the trade. Yep, because uh, that whole cause that season, the old five oh six, oh seven season, I was I was married. My I had a pregnant wife. I had just gotten back from a deployment. Um and I remember only thing I remember was hearing Al Iverson and then you know Stephen A. Smith, he's always been he's that was I, when Stephen. That was when Stephen A. Smith was a good reporter. That was yeah. when Stephen A. Smith was actually was actually Allen Iverson. Because and here's the other part we skipped. If you remember, oh four, oh five, they even tried to get what was left of Chris Webber to help Iverson. Oh, he was done. 
I yeah, want you yeah. know, I want to look at every time uh Philly came to the Meadowlands, mm -hmm. I would take my son or whoever I was dating at the time to those mm -hmm. two games because uh you couldn't get even though the Knicks were horrible, you couldn't get a ticket to Madison because, Square Garden. Because it's the it's it's still Madison yeah. Square Garden. Yeah. You're not gonna the get Knicks, tickets up. The Knicks have been selling every game out since the 91, 92 season. No, 92, 90 since Pat Riley came around. What's that? 91, 92? 91, 92. The Knicks have been selling out every for 30 years. You can't get a ticket for the Knicks. So and even because even if they're even if they're not good, it's still social status to be seen yeah, there. Yeah. So I would always go two times a year to the Meadowlands and see when the Sixers came to town. And I th that year I went to see them against the Nets and Chris Webber was a walking corpse. Uh-huh. It reminded me of two years prior when they had Derek Coleman again. A walking I, corpse. I remember I, I went to one game. I think they played um I think it might have been the Wizards. And this is when the Wizards were starting to come and so this this when the Gilbert Arenas start became one of the hottest shooters in basketball. Right. And he played with the and I saw them, I think they played the Wizards. And like I said, Weber, even in Philadelphia, Weber was averaging about 18, 19 a game, about eight, nine rebounds. But he but could barely like move. Sluggish. He could barely move. He could it barely was a sluggish eight. Because you remember Chris Weber, before he had those knee and those injuries and stuff, Chris Weber in Sacramento. Was explosive. Could push the ball. Could push yeah. the ball down the court. So uh, when Weber was a Sixer, a lot of those points came off long jump shots and free throws. He long wasn't jump shots and free throws. Or he free wasn't dominating or under or the point. Or pick up. Or he wasn't dominating cookies. He wasn't dominating on the paint like he was in Sacramento and Washington and um, Golden State. Remember, I remember we used to call them cookies, where you we used to basically pick the ball up. Maybe a loose ball he pick up and somehow throw it off the. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. that's what he was getting. Yeah, so like he that, was literally getting. He was, and it and it, and it's hard, and like I said, I grew, the way I grew up, it's hard to watch a great player fall off because he was. It, the, but to watch that, but yeah, but going back to the, but yeah, going forward. And before they traded, the before they traded AI, the 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 the, the best player, the the uh, you you we were seeing the. The possibility of greatness of Andre Iguodala. Iguodala. Yeah. And we saw, and the thing about it was, Iguodala, we saw Iguodala develop, and we saw my guy, um, Iguodala starting to come in his own. Samuel Dallenberg, it was Samuel Dallenberg era was, they were kind of getting ready to push push that along. And uh, who else? I think Mo Williams might have been a rook. Uh, Lou Williams might have been a rook, not Mo Lou. And, and Lou Williams was a, was a rookie. So they traded AI for Andre Miller. And you know what? That trade worked for the Sixers. It really did. Two years, Andre, two years. Miller, Andre Miller, one of the most underrated point guards in the history of the NBA. Mm -hmm. Look at his numbers. If you don't believe us, look at his numbers. And he came to Philly and he took him to the playoffs. It was his play. He was a pass-first point guard. He took high-percentage shots. He he wasn't a he great three-point shooter. He didn't nope. have to because he penetrated in the paint all the time. But Andre, you know, Miller, Andre Miller was the type of point guard that Larry Brown would have loved to have coached. And let me tell you, and here's the thing about and Andre And Bo Cheeks Miller. loved coaching Andre Miller. Andre Miller was the type of guard. And, and going back, North Carolina basketball fan, Andre Miller ended Antoine Jameson and Vince Carter's college career. 
Utah, right? Yep. He ended their career. Utah kicked our butts. As a Carolina fan, Utah ended ended Mike Bibby's college career. And so, like, I, that's why I was telling people, people don't understand. Andre Miller was one of those guys that in the right situation, he could have definitely been the point guard on a championship team. Oh, Carmelo Anthony benefited yep. from playing with Andre Miller early. Hey, Carmelo and Andre uh, – Carmelo also benefited from playing with AI. And it's the Very only much. time – oh, it's the only time until – he came to the until uh, he came to the Golden State Warriors. It's the only time where I ever saw Carmelo Anthony on any team take a back seat to another player. That's the respect he had for AI. When AI went to Denver, go yeah, it became his team. Even though yeah. it, it, I've only seen this a few times in the history of the NBA. When LeBron went to Miami, it was no longer D-Wade's team. It became yeah. LeBron. Like Dwayne, we know Dwayne Wade is always going to be the face of that franchise. But LeBron has to be. Well, he was the lead. He was the leader. Way. Those three, those four years, it was his team. Yeah, it was his LeBron team. But you, it's funny. You don't you you don't see that all, like when Magic came to the Lakers, it took him years before it became his team. It was considered Kareem's team to probably about eighty five. Then it became Magic's team, right? Yeah. Kobe yep. went. To, Kobe and Shaq came to the Lakers. It wasn't Kobe's team until Shaq left. Yeah. All right. And I um, think it was. Uh, the, the Yankees, it was always Jeter to the end. A Rod yes. came, and, and that's and, why that's why take a back that's one of the reasons Jeter. why A Rod couldn't. That's one of the reasons. And I said, and I said the biggest problem, the, the biggest thing that A Rod, when A Rod got to the Yankees, the biggest thing that ate was that probably ate him up was the most pop, one of the most popular players in that franchise history, was about twenty feet to his left. It was his best friend at the time, but that was really his never best. A Rod, no, yep. A Rod, Nomar, and uh, and Jeter were had a they they were like the triumvirate. They all they were they were like they the baseball they were the baseball they were the baseball rat pack. Yep, they it was all three of them, and it was like we and it was like these were the three guys, and I mean they were all great players. The only person that didn't play for a marquee team was A Rod, and A Rod won it out of, and I guess after he. Cause he, cause let's be real, he took the he money. He was supposed to go to the Red Sox. Yep, and that red and that trade fell apart. Yep, and, and then the Yankees scooped him up. And then since and ever since that day, the Red Sox have been by far the more dominant team. That's crazy. How? That's crazy. Has one one the Red, one, the Red Sox had what four championships since that trade? And the Yankees only won. Yep, and they beat my Phillies, but but no, like so, I so, said, and, go ahead, but go ahead, look at. But going back to the uh, the opposite, you, you it was the end of that era, and I, it, it was painful. And Al Iverson was having a had had his own personal things that we later found out, you know, with his marriage and some other things that right. were going on. And you feel for him because you that you still got to live that out in the limelight. And you can say we can say all these other things we want. The man was still he Al Iverson at this time. The Sixers trading him was only thirty one. So it wasn't but in like, age, but his body was more like yeah, his, that, that's exactly what I was gonna say. He was a 31-year-old man with prop with the bot with the bot with just just off the court and on the court had the life of somebody at least 10 to 15 years older. Yep, yep, yep. Because he, his numbers stayed steady in Denver. He had two great yep. years in Denver, even though they got bumped in the first round both years. And that Denver seeing that that uh they needed to go another route and which made Carmelo a better player. They traded AI to Detroit for Chauncey Billups 
in a steal of a trade. They fleeced the Pistons. AI was done. Yeah, Chauncey, was, it's my, it's Denver, my, body mentally and physically was finished. Denver went to the Western Conference Finals with Chauncey playing alongside Carmelo, and Chauncey made Carmelo a better player. Carmelo has been blessed. He played with three all-time great players first 10 years in the league. Andre Miller, Allen Iverson, Chauncey Billups. All three made him a better player. The best pairing was with, was with Chauncey Billups. AI plays in Detroit. He makes the all-star team, but he, he, he got it because of popularity because he only averaged 17 points a game that year. Yeah. I saw from the very beginning in, De- in, in Detroit that he wasn't the same player. Yeah. Then they then they benched him for a, what's that what's that cat's name that they Rodney Stuckey I think oh Rodney Stuckey and you know it's time to go with Stuckey uh, if you're backing yeah, up because like, Rodney Stuckey's, Stuckey's a backup a, right? he was a back like he like Rodney Stuckey's a guy that should be a candidate for six man of the year not right now, he shouldn't be a starting but I mean he on. had a he had a very good career came out of Eastern Washington but yeah. like I said there are some guys who are not built for certain roles yeah he's one of them yeah. So finally, he goes to Memphis, and he's completely shot. And then Philly picks him up so he could play out his career as a Sixer. He goes in as a first ballot Hall of Famer. And beautiful, you can see it on YouTube, the beautiful Hall of Fame speech he gave. He even thanked his ex-wife, talked about she was his best friend, and he couldn't have done it. Right, she was his rock. Great, and he talked about his love for John Thompson, father, father he never had. All right? Saved his life, and and just a, just just a great Hall of Fame speech. Uh, mm-hmm. The Sixers gave a consultant job. He's basically every Sixers game, and after a few uh, ups and downs, we finally see that AI is at peace with himself, and I yep. love to see. I, I was I was just about to say. That's the one. The one thing I I can honestly say about him is that man is at peace with himself. And I mean, his his children are also grown now. His kids are also getting old. His 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 oldest children are are very much grown now. And I mean, a lot of them, they see a lot of they see a lot of ups and downs. And I think the one thing about it is we know he didn't live a perfect life, and we know he's been through so much hell. But at the end of the day, Allen Iverson is one of those. He's one of those guys that a LeBron James would look up, still looks up to. Melo still looks up to him. Like you said, Damian Lillard. I remember Allen Iverson said something about Damian Lillard. Like, man, I love his game or something. Damian Lillard was like, I can't tell you what that, how much that means to me to hear him say that. But look at all, like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, look at all the dominant small guards in the league. Mm-hmm. Like Trey, like Trey, the Trey, the Trey Youngs of the game, John Morant. Let's John up. Morant. <laughs> John Morant is a large version of Allen Iverson. He's a bigger version of Allen Iverson. Like John Morant, like the way he gets up and like yeah. the watching Allen Iverson see these guys and it's and you know drunk going back. John Morant's dad was a high school teammate of Ray Allen, <laughs> so. It was kind of everything like, comes know, back full circle. Big everything man. really does come back full circle. You got, you know, and like I said, and, and he's still, um, like I said, my man, uh, my guy, Tim, his son, his son Aaron was the MVP of the Iverson Classic that they held about two, about three or four, about three years ago, we'll say. 
He was a uh, he was a, he was he won one of the uh, one of the awards, the Irishman Classic. Which and I mean, he said one of the things about it is a lot of these kids now. Now we're at the age where the people that we're seeing in the McDonald's All Star games and stuff, their their dads watched Allen Iverson. Yeah, you, you look, get what I'm saying? Look, to the my, point my, where my, these my guys son, don't my son is my son is 29 years old, and I took him to see Allen Iverson as a kid. So mm-hmm. I was I was I was a fan. Two generations of fan. Oh, and my father loved AI. My father died in 2000. My father, lifelong Sixers fan. Didn't get to see the 2001 championship team, but he when he first saw AI that night, I took him to see Connecticut at Madison Square Garden, 1996 Big East final. He said right then and there that that man's gonna be a star, and, and he became a huge fan. And he was torn up when the Pacers smoked the Sixers in '98 and in, in, in '99 and 2000. Yeah, that was and, back to back years they put yeah, us out. Yeah, they swept us four straight '99. And they won the first three games in 99, and the Sixers won game four and five. Yeah, we and pushed then, it to six. And, and then lost game I, six in Philly. That's the game where AI was crying, crying. like a baby. He on, was crying. On, yeah. I, I, Iverson had the towel over his head and was in tears. And I'm like, y'all don't know. And I remember on the, the two of the major newspapers, the Philadelphia Daily News and the Wilmington News Journal, both of them in this section, in this first section, that was like literally – the whole front of the sports page was uh, was Allen Iverson with a towel over his head in tears, uh, on like all all on the three or four major newspapers in that area, and I felt because I was home for college, right? And I was like I said, I was a I was a Sixers fan. I I, I wanted Iverson to I wanted Iverson to get that ring in Philadelphia so badly. It like it it broke my heart that they couldn't put the team around him. The that two the two. The the three greatest players I've ever seen not win a championship, two played in Philly. Patrick Ewing with the Knicks, AI and Charles Barkley with the Sixers. Those three guys deserved a ring because they had the hearts. They of had champions. the heart. And all three of them. It, all three of them and their peers will tell you no different. Barkley, AI, and Ewing have been criticized by the middle class racist media for years. Why? I don't understand it. Because, because those because, three guys gave it their all, night in and night all, and all three of those guys left their bodies on the court. On the floor, Patrick Ewing, Patrick Patrick Ewing's body. Patrick Ewing, I used to see the way Patrick Ewing used to. Everybody, I mean, and this this wasn't just late in his career. Why do you think he had those knee pads earlier in his, even in even in his prime? Patrick Ewing would be sitting on the bench if the if a Knicks game was a blowout or. If it was late and they would pull him out for the rest of the game, he'd be on the bench with ice packs on his knees and elbows. Yeah, because a seven footer shouldn't be doing everything he's been he was doing he was expected yeah. to do. Now, uh, we're coming to the end of the podcast, but what I do on mm-hmm. each and every show is I ask my special guest co-host to list a top five. Uh, Mike and I have both been lifelong Sixer fans. Mike, since you started. As a Sixer fan in 1984-85, mm-hmm. give me from five to number one your five greatest Sixers of that era. Okay. And this is, I'm still going to go with the five great. Even though two of these guys that are on this list, they, they, their careers kind of tailed off towards the end. Number five, I'm going to go with Law. Oh. Marvin Five, I'm gonna go with Moses Malone. 
Okay, now this is always the toughest question I ask on the podcast. But uh, go ahead, Moses Malone, and give us your reason why Malone is the fifth greatest sixer of the last 36 because, years. Uh, because he was just, he was strong. <laughs> That's the only thing I remember about Moses Malone. He was just flat out strong. Moses was the greatest rebounder I've ever seen, and I've seen Rodman right. and all the other guys, and Ben Wallace, those guys were great. Moses was the greatest rebounder I ever saw. Moses was a six foot ten center, so he was undersized center, going up against seven footers every night, and he killed them. And no one owned Kareem in Kareem's career like Moses did. Yeah, and I will, and I and I'm and and the reason why is because he was only a sixer. If we're going from that time period, his time with the Sixers was very short. So yeah, it was a five. It was a five year period. Yeah. Yeah. Number four. I'm going to go Julius Irving. Now, if we go all-time sixes, if we go oh, all-time sixes? No, 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 no. I'm not I'm not going to go I'm not going to go there because because yeah, you know, all-time sixes, if we talk about the Sixers franchise, he's much higher, but Yeah, oh yeah. You and saw him at the, you like, saw him at the end of his career at number yeah, 4, number 4, he, number 4 is fighting for one of the top 2 spots. Number 4 is justifiable. Number four yeah. is justifiable because you saw him at the tail end of his career. I saw where, him at the tail end of his yeah. career. Go ahead, continue. And I'm 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 thinking, I'm making sure I don't forget anybody. Number three, and this is going to be, I'm gonna throw the gauntlet down on this because I'm putting stock in this as well. Joel and B. Yeah, I can't man, you if you went I'm putting stock in this. Hey, one. you know what? <laughs> Joel since he since he overcame those first two years of not playing. Yeah, has been a beast. He's been a he's, motherfucker. He's going. He's going to win an MVP. I I see him winning the MVP award. This Joel Embiid reminds me of Patrick Ewing. I've been yep. saying that since I he's, first he saw him. Patrick Ewing with a hint of Akeem Olajuwon, and he's a better free throw shooter than than than, 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 than both of them. That's scary because both of these guys shot in the high seventies, low eighties for their career. And Bede is shooting almost in the 90s. So, Joel and B, like I said, I'm putting stock in that man. Number two, Charles Barkley. And I, 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 I wrestle with Greatest Charles free throw Barkley. shooting centers of all time. Go ahead. I'm, number two is Charles, Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley, you number two? And I'm wrestling with it. Because we know who number one is, because who we talked about most of this podcast. Yeah, but Bark, but you, 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 you came in as a Sixer fan doing Charles Barkley rookie year. Charles oh, yeah. Barkley is a Sixer. Charles yeah. Barkley is a Sixer. He went to the Hall of Fame. He went into the Hall of Fame as a seventy-sixer. Regardless of what he did at Phoenix, he's uh-huh. a seventy-sixer. Yes, Barkley deserves that number two spot, and Barkley's a top five six of all time. If you want yeah. to look at the whole history. And we know who number one is. Yeah, we all know who number one is because of the who the Because I literally sat there and I told you I, I I I I sat throughout it all and I scratched my head. And like I said, there were other guys that I vaguely remember. I remember the tail end of Andrew Tony. God bless him. If not for foot injuries, he's got a Hall of Fame jacket. He, w- he like would have been a Hall of Fame. Everybody else, because he he's one of the greatest shooters in Sixers history. Just those. Though he just had foot problems that ended his career and, and it, and it's, and it's way crazy. too young. 
Way too. If young. we think about what modern, I wonder what modern technology. If, if if he if we had modern technology then, like if we had just not even modern technology, technology maybe ten years ahead and more advanced. Andrew Tony, we would be talking about Andrew Tony like we talk about some of the greatest shooting guards of all time. One hundred percent. All right, and of Bubba. course, and of course, your number one is Bubba Chuck. <laughs> I just now, if you would if you would have went Barkley one, I wouldn't have argued with you. I yeah, Bark, it, was, it was Barkley and Iverson were one right. and two. They was always going to be one and two. But like I said, and Joel Embiid has a chance to descend to the top of that list. If but like he, I said, he is his health. Yep, you know, he's seven feet, and they do even even with the even with the occasional day off and uh, the he still he's the bulk of the offense. I'm worried about. I, I know yeah. the other thing I'm worried about with that with him. With him I hope is I, I wonder about his diet. I hope his diet is improved because when you're that big and you're hurt, Zion Williamson, 270 turns into 285, turns into 300 yeah. really fast. Yeah, the, and the, you Pel can't, the Pelicans are fighting that out right now. Yeah. And, the, and, and the thing about it is, as a man that big, your heart can only take so much. And you remember, be very was, Barkley with the Sixers had gotten overweight and when he got yeah. to Phoenix, lost all that weight and yeah. it, and it and it extended his career probably another yeah. four or five years. Yeah, because Charles, I mean, <laughs> Charles, Charles is notorious for his eating habits, but the thing, the scary thing was, Charles was listed at 250. We know he was playing closer to 275, 280, maybe <laughs> 300. <laughs> you know he's only 6'5". He should yeah. have that. At, and he's a, and, and, but the thing about it was, he could get up and down the floor. He was like the bumblebee. He could get up and down the floor. He could move with the best of them. That's what scared. That that's what made Charles so special. Hey, he was, uh, he, was he, he was destroying guys that were at least six to seven inches taller than him. Different question before we end this. Gun to uh, your head. Gun to your head. Greater power forward, historically, in your opinion, Carl Malone or Charles Barkley? Charles Barkley. Okay, and and I can't argue with you, Mike. I was going to say the same thing. And for those of you that don't agree, let me tell you this: I'm going to do a lot of legends on this podcast. Carl Malone will not be one of them. Uh, Mike, I want to take my man Mike, uh, Delaware born, North Carolina, North Carolina living, North, North Carolina living. Uh, man, one of the one of the, one of my favorite brothers to talk to on Twitter. Uh, the, historically, the man is the man knows his sports. He knows his politics. Happy Veterans Day to Mike Appreciate as he it. served this country. He went to the golf. All right. He's seen it with his own eyes. Don't he just not talking to talk? All right. <laughs> He's seen the crap that went out there with his own eyes and the stuff he had to overcome by fighting for this government. All right. So Mike. Yeah. And we both love baseball. When I have Mike back on, Mike, the next time I'll have you on in a month or two, we'll be talking about Ricky Henderson because this and man. We can we, talk all day. And we can <laughs> talk all day about the greatest leadoff hitter that ever lived. Mike, thanks for joining joining me. And for all of y'all, next week, we'll be back with the great Patrick Ewing. All right.